laser lips. Your mama was a snowblower. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark, and I thought we should celebrate today's episode hitting the big 6-0 in style. So today I'm going to be joined by Steve Guttenberg. Yes, you heard that right, that wasn't a mistake. He's actually come on to today's episode and we have an interview coming up very, very soon. I actually still can't believe it when I say it out loud. It doesn't seem real. He hasn't done a podcast. He doesn't do many interviews now. He doesn't do much press, but he's agreed to come on to Mark and Me, and I couldn't be more thrilled. Growing up in the 80s, he was my absolute idol. I worshipped him. He was a hero. And growing up with my dad watching films like Police Academy, he was on my screen most days. Cocoon, Short Circuit... Absolutely loved the guy, free men and a baby. I just wanted to be him. He was my favourite actor growing up and I still can't believe when I say it, he's going to be on today's episode. But before we get into that, let's just touch base on my last guest. So if you'd listened to episode 59, I was joined by Stuart Raphael, the director and the writer of the absolute masterpiece film, Mac and Me. Now I know some of you when you hear that are saying, no Mark, it's a piece of shit. It's not. For me personally, I absolutely adore the film. There's something magical about it and I love it. So to know that I was able to sit down with the director and talk all about the making of the film, find out stuff I never knew before and most importantly have that slight hope still that we might get Mac and Me too was just a dream come true. And I want to say thanks to everyone that listened and took the time to tweet or Facebook or email or leave an Instagram comment because the response was phenomenal. And I hope you all enjoyed the interview as much as me. You probably didn't, but it was still good that you enjoyed it and everything was positive. So as I said at the start of today's episode, I want to celebrate this episode in style. This was a guest that I've wanted since I started Mark and Me. I've made it no secret, when I started podcasting, I made a list of five names of dream guests. Kevin Smith was one of them, Hannibal Lecter himself, Mads Mikkelsen, and obviously the one and only, the absolute legend Sir Anthony Hopkins was on the list I had Jessica Hines who when I loved space and I think it's one of my favorite tv shows I never thought I'd get to sit down with her but I did and finally that final piece Steve Guttenberg was someone that I dreamed of interviewing he was top of my list and I'll be honest I didn't think it would happen but it has so I think the best thing to do now is get to that interview so here is me and Steve Guttenberg talking all things film Hey Steve, how are you doing? Hi Mark. How's your day going, you okay? Yeah, thank you so much, it's great. How about you? Yeah, it's good. So when I grew up, Steve, I spent a lot of my childhood days watching you in films, but what I wanted to know was, what were the sort of films you watched when you were a kid growing up that made you want to become an actor? Oh, thank you. You know, one of my favourites was The Graduate. Oh, nice. Dustin Hoffman, I always thought that was such a brilliant movie. Always enjoyed that film. And uh, then there was, of course, Birth of a Nation, which I watched a great deal. And I loved D.W. Griffith and his work. And then there was uh, movies like The Great Escape, a great action 
movie, a lot of fun with wonderful stars. I've always liked those ensemble movies with tons of stars. You know, I'd have to say that, uh, you know, High Noon got a, a lot of um, a lot of movies that I've always enjoyed and uh, been lucky enough to, to watch and, you know, get a kick out of. So what were the actual actors that you were watching that made you decide to go and actually go to film school and become an actor yourself? You know, Ronald Coleman was always one of my favorites and his Lost Horizon, any of his great work. Of course, Olivier's Henry V. I was watching Helen Mirren in English films early on. Uh, I've always enjoyed both actors and, and players. And you know what I mean by that. Uh, you know, there are some people that are actors and they can put in different masks to create a certain uh, character. And then there are actors like Jack Benny, uh, who was always great. And he was always Jack Benny. There are plenty of people that I've always admired and been very, very lucky to have uh, been able to watch them and appreciate them. I've always been somebody who admired great acting and also great great comedy and great attention to detail. If you ever watch I Was a Female War Bride with Cary Grant and watch his physicalness and how deft he is as opposed to just being known as Cary Grant. He was an incredible physical comedian. There were those people that I've I really admired. So after you actually studied film and became an actor, you decided to take that big step to move to L.A. At the time, was that quite daunting and scary? It is. It's, it's such a horrible move for most people. You know, you leave your family behind and you come to Los Angeles and start a life where you don't know anyone and the business is basically one of prey on the, on the young and when I was very, very lucky that I came out fairly unscathed, but the film business is a, it's basically the flesh business, and it can really be quite harmful to young people. As you, you know, you, you see the news and you see the bodies just lining up. One of our great comedians, Johnny Carson, once said, show business is the only business that eats its young. And I, I do believe that. The roads are littered with young people who who tried to become actors, dancers, singers, and it really can rob you of your integrity. I remember growing up, uh, me and my dad would spend a lot of time watching the Police Academy films. It was kind of our little... Um, we never told my mum because it was quite crude and rude in parts, and we'd sit there, and I was probably only about eight or nine years old. And watching you as Mahoney was just absolutely awesome. I thought you were one of the best characters. When I grew up as a kid, I always wanted to kind of be like you. I thought you were hilarious in every scene, but... When you were making the films at the time, did you really think that you'd get sort of seven films from it and it becomes such a, a cult classic now? When we made the first one, I, did, I, I greatly believed in it because it was a very funny screenplay and had a very funny director and very smart director. If you're going to do anything well and if the audience is going to love it, even if it's a slasher film, it's got to be really well done. So you look at... Police Academy, or you look at Hellraiser, or Nightmare on Elm Street, you see that there's a great deal of artistry in making a chocolate bar. Some chocolate bars, no one sees, no one cares about. Then there are those chocolate bars that everybody wants to have. So Police Academy was basically a great chocolate bar that anybody thought they could make, but it, it isn't that way. So I got very, very fortunate, very fortunate with Hugh Wilson and Paul Maslansky, who made Police Academy. 
And then one of my favourite films growing up was Short Circuit and watching you playing the part of Newton Crosby was just mind-blowing. I just thought, I miss those films now that didn't rely on CGI and you had the whole practical effects and it must have been such a dream because I, I know I sound like an old man and I'm only 36 years old but they don't make family films like that anymore. No, they don't. It's, I was watching a film the other day and it so surprised me I, I saw um, I saw Cinderella here, which was a stage play. Matthew Bourne, who's such a talented choreographer. So we brought a bunch of children in our neighborhood to see Cinderella. We thought it was the, the average Cinderella. It wasn't. It was more of an adult Cinderella. And that's what's happened. Everybody really wants to put their mark on staples. And Matthew Bourne did a brilliant job, but it was a sexy Cinderella. And it was surprising to me. You'll see that in art all over the place, whether it's, you know, and you look at what Neil Jordan did with Little Red Riding Hood, who's brilliant. And I consider him somebody uh, who, one of the nicest men I've ever worked with and most talented. But family films today are different, you know, because they have to pander to the, the heart of the audience. And the heart of the audience today is where their values lie. And values are different today, you know integrity and nobleness character they're not admired as much as power and money and years ago we started it with howard stern here shock jock you know that you just turn him on because you can't believe what he's going to say and i think that's the same with films and i'm not an old fogey you know i'm all for everybody moving on to the next level but what's happened in our society is that manners have gone out the window and that's transfers and cinema is basically a reflection of society so you know manners really don't matter as much anymore you'll see it in television you'll see it in film uh you'll see it in theater you know uh and you'll see it online at the airport or online you know at the box office so i think that transfers to cinema but at the same time there's some incredible cinema being made today have, have you seen roma i haven't yet but it's on my list and now it's on netflix i'm going to watch it as soon as i can before the oscars yeah it was a brilliant brilliant movie and uh and you know the favorite and you know there's some really great work going on today which is nice to see and at the same time there's you know stuff that that is meaningless so with police academy we a were very lucky and b we were able to pull it off and the fact that it went to seven was purely, uh, you know, transactional. You know, the investors wanted to get as much out of it as they could. And so they should. That's, you know, it's show business. It's not show friendship. One of my films when I was growing up was um, obviously Disney's Free Man and a Baby. Now, to work with Tom Selleck and Ted Danson on set, it must have been a dream because they're two of the funniest guys in the business. So what was that like? Was every day a complete blast on set? Yeah, they're such smart guys. Uh, and good actors, and we had a terrific director with Leonard Nimoy, and we had a great studio with Disney. So you know, it was it all came together. And then most recently, in the last few years, you've been a lot of guest spots on big big TV like Community, uh, Party Down, Veronica Mars, Law and Order. What what was your yeah. fa- what was your favorite to be part of? Because seeing your face pop up on these huge huge shows, you must have been loving it. Oh yeah, I, I'm. I feel really fortunate and blessed that these shows want me to be part of their long-standing party you know when you walk in they've been doing it for years and you're coming in brand new 
it's terrific to work with different people all the time and sharpen your skills until you hit it again in your own show and you become uh, the lead. I think it's important as an actor ages to have respect for the place you're at. I remember uh, years ago, uh, someone saw Paul McCartney, a young person, and they said, isn't that the guy from Wings? And that's the way it is. Yeah. So as you get older, very few artists have new hits. So as a singer or singer-songwriter, the audience is going to want your old hits because that's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear James Taylor's new stuff. They want to hear the hits. And the same thing for an actor. When you come on a show, it reminds people of basically a better time. And then if you're lucky, you get a hit on your own and you get to start it up again. So, you know, right now I'm, I'm having a ball being a guest on other people's shows and looking forward to making my mark again and being able to be in my own playground as opposed to, you know, being a guest in somebody else's. Have you ever thought of wanting to get on the other side of the camera and do some directing or do some writing of a series or a film? Is that something you'd like to do instead of being in front of the camera? Yeah, a a few years ago I directed a movie called P.S. Your Cat is Dead, which was a, a little dark comedy, and I really enjoyed it. And I would like to write and direct. Frankly, I'm too busy. Yeah. I have a very busy personal life. I have a wonderful wife who I dote on. I have wonderful parents who I take care of. I have sisters and nieces and nephews and brother-in-laws. And I'm a family guy. I'm a little removed from the Hollywood family. Yeah. I'm... I've never felt that the Hollywood family is a loyal family, even though you're you're told, oh, you're part of the family, whether it's you're part of the 20th Century Fox family, you're part of the Warner Brothers family, you weren't part of the family, you know, of Harrods, you know, Mark and Spencer, you're really not. It's not a family. No. It's a business. And as soon as you aren't giving that family what they need, you're basically, you know, out of the family. It's, an, it's a great lesson to learn about show business that it's show business. It's not show friendship. And as long as you're making hits and busy, you'll be invited and invited back. So right now, I lead a blessed life, a quality of life that I could only dream of. And with my career, I do, I do these guest spots and then I look for the next hit. It's a fascinating career in that you almost always feel like you're starting over again but you have to have the stomach for it what i always ask a lot of my guests is advice for upcoming actors that listen to the podcast and want to get into the industry and you've you've kind of covered that off today for me without even asking because it sounds like at times you're treated more like a number than a person in the industry and stuff like that but one thing i love about your social media um, i follow you on instagram is that you spend a lot of time putting out positive messages and social media can be quite a negative like a a really dark place but you really embrace it and each day you read out positive quotes and stuff and it's really nice to see and it's so refreshing because a lot of people compare themselves with these celebrities and want to look like them or lose weight and be like this but you're just spreading love and happiness and that's something really nice to see well 
Well, social media is a long tail. You have to constantly file away at it. And a message like mine, which is a positive message, isn't as juicy to some people. But there are some people that do enjoy a positivity message. And that's what I like to do. That's what I'm interested in. So that's why I always post something that has meaning uh, and will um, and will advance. And I do think at one point it'll catch on in a big way. That's good. I hope it does because it's. A, I want to see more of it. Thank you. Me too. With your career looking back, sometimes you read stories about how you turned down Ghostbusters and you're going to be in the Burbs and then Tom Hanks was going to be in Police Academy and all that. Was there anything that you look back at and you kind of think, I wish I had changed and made that decision or are you happy with everything you've done? Um, I would say I don't have many regrets. I would say the only regret I have is, is saying no more. I said yes a lot. And now I'm much more choosy, but I probably could have said no a lot more before that, too. So what's been some of your proudest moments? What's one of those roles that you just would never get bored of playing again? Uh, uh, I would say Jack in Cocoon. Oh, that film is amazing. It's a life-affirming film. Yeah, such a life-affirming film. And exactly. And he was such an honest character. Yeah. I would say absolutely that. And Newton Crosby. I... I think that there would be a great deal of interest in seeing Short Circuit again, especially with those characters. But the way that the business works is that you're you're able to come play those characters again when the commerce comes in line with the art. And at one point, they'll remake Short Circuit, and they'll you know come ask me to do it. I hope, and they'll come do it with. Cocoon, they'll come ask me. At one point, you know, all these very, very well-known films get done again. I know that Disney is considering sort of three grandpas and a baby. Oh, nice. That'd be interesting. That would be a great, great funny film. And they're also considering rebooting it with three new guys. Let's see. I hope that they do come back to us because I think the audience, the audience basically likes to see the same characters getting older and how interesting it is uh because we're all getting older so but it but it works because uh, if you think of stuff like we've had dumb and dumber come back after so many years and anchorman and these films like blade runner and star wars that it's you can have a gap of 20 30 years now and it's it's nice of that nostalgia trip to then see those characters and see what they're up to again and be reminded why you love them back in the 80s there was nothing like seeing harrison ford come on to star wars was there no and all he had to say was we're home and you're like you got those feelings that you had when you were a kid again yeah you really do well because great characters tell the truth yeah and we miss the truth you see to me what's happening in cinema is and society is nobody tells the truth and nobody has integrity you'll see it in politics you guys are fighting it with Brexit and Prime Minister May. Yeah. And, and we're fighting it over here with our president and the way that Congress and the Democrats and the Republicans don't have the country in first. They have their own party in first. And what we're seeing is that nobody's telling the truth. If you'll see the line of our president's colleagues, there's 10 or 12 that are on the way to jail or in jail. Paul Manafort the president's election 
chair. These are people that lied, the, the, the generals, the assistants. So the only people in, in movies today that tell the truth are superheroes. Yes, good point. They're imaginary. They're not real people. And the only people we respect in movies today are imaginary characters. Aquaman, Captain America, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. These are not real people. But they're the people that we want to see in movies because they're, they actually have integrity and character, which is lacking in absolutely in, in film and television. And it's absolutely lacking in society. Where do we go to get it from an imaginary person? It's it's strange, isn't it? Because back in the 80s, I just think now of characters that I fell in love with was stuff like The Goonies and Stand By Me and Uncle Buck and John Hughes films like Home Alone. And all those people were honest and they were real people. You didn't get all these superheroes. They were just genuine people that you'd like to spend time with. Yeah, yeah, they were real people. Of course, they were characters, but you can relate to them. And superheroes aren't relatable, but they do the right thing. And that's what we're missing in our society today, is doing the right thing. You'll see people telling lies constantly. And when you see people telling the truth, it's a big deal. I find uh, you know, that we're, you know, we're in an interesting place. Look at the Oscars. You know, years ago, people were really interested in sitting down and watching the Oscars. You'd get your popcorn and your, your bangers and your mash. And you'd sit down in front of the TV and watch the Oscars. Yeah. And there would be David Niven coming on stage and saying something really funny. You know, like, uh, uh, you know, I forgot my wallet. Does anybody, <laughs> does anyone p- point out a, a black limo? <laughs> you know, my, my wallet's in my black limo. Can someone help me find it? There'd be such funny... And, and, and that's where... And I'm a member of the Academy, and I'm so sad that... Viewership has gone down on the Academy Awards, and there's less desire to see them. One of the reasons might be because there's 10 other awards, the SAG Actor Awards and the Los Angeles Film Critics Award and the National Board of Review and the New York Film Critics Award, the Chicago Critics Awards. What happened to the Oscars, it's not, it's the same thing that happened to Christmas. Years ago, Christmas was the big star. Yeah. You know, it's it's August and you want a bike, you got to wait till Christmas. But now you don't wait till Christmas. You get a bike right away. You get your DVD, you get your phone, you get your iPhone, you get it right away. So Christmas has lost its game. And so is New Year's. You know? And that and so has the Oscars. And you know, basically, you know, it, it's it's cost there's so many more choices and the choices are the illusion of the choices is they are as much quality as the Oscars, but they're not. You know, what's happened is the audience has become, their threshold of quality is much lower. And it's, you know, just a natural progression from tech, technology, but it's an interesting time for cinema. And that's why Netflix is so important today, because if you do want to see a great movie, you can, you can go to Netflix and see it. I mean, the way you're talking, it's like, not that you've got a negative feeling about the industry, but you'll probably prefer to be away from it now and just be around real people, like you said, your parents, your wife, your family. Your values have probably changed when in the 80s you wanted to be in these films and put that first, but you seem to have changed your whole priorities, and it seems that you're 
a happier, better person for it? Well, you know, the song just isn't the same anymore. But that's what happens when you get older. You get smarter. You are able to, you know, when you're in a club, a nightclub, at three or four or five in the morning when they turn the lights on. When you're 18, you leave before the lights get turned on. So you're just thinking, this is the greatest club in the world. Yeah. But if you stay when they turn the lights on and you see what the club really looks like in the light, it's not as interesting. No. It's not as It's not as attractive. And as you get older, as a person in the business, the lights come on earlier and you see the tinsel because that's what it is. It's tinsel. Yeah. So you... There's a, there's a moniker for Hollywood. It's called Tinseltown because all that glitters is not gold. But it happens to everybody who gets older. You have to become a little bit jaded because, as Muhammad Ali said, if you're the same person at 60 that you were at 20, you haven't grown. You know, a good friend of mine always says, I'm not 22 anymore. And when you're not 22 anymore and you're 60, you're smarter. You know, three-card Monty, you know, is a scam. Yeah. As opposed to you're 20 years old, you go, oh, I could beat this game. You know, when you play blackjack at a casino and you're 18, you go, I could beat this game. When you're older, you realize, no, no, this is their game. And they've rigged it to win because that's they have to pay their rent. So in show business, you start to see the same characters come along. If you're old enough, the names change, but the faces are the same. Yeah, you know, you know the, and I'm sure you see that in your business. You you know the characters. You know what they're all about. You become much more wary, and you know what can happen when you go to a nightclub when you're 18. You don't know that there could be someone could throw a bottle across the room and hit someone in the head. Yeah, but when you've been around enough clubs and you've been there, you realize you got to keep your eyes open here because something weird could happen. It's, and that's it's true. show business. You yeah. realize. You got to keep your eyes open because something weird could happen. You've kept your eyes open for many years, and looking back, you were the biggest name in the eighties. Everyone that I knew watched your films, fell in love with you. You had the limelight. You had it all. You now get that. Yeah. You now get that kind of response from your family in doing everyday things. I'm sure. Now is that where you get your kicks and your hits from? Now it's not all about the glamour and the tinsel, like you said. It's just about being real around real people. Well, yeah, you know, I think because I've had it, I really enjoyed it, and I still have it whenever I go out in public. People recognize me, people would like to talk to me, people would like to have my autograph and a picture. So I still see it, and I still have that, but you start to get smarter. Years ago, I remember Jack Lemmon won an Emmy, I think it was an Emmy. He came up and he accepted it, and he said, and now everybody, I'm going to go home to the people who really love me, my family. I love it. And he went home because he realized you got smart and you realized that the business is a business and it's basically um, a flesh business and it's an outstanding creative art. The craft is an incredible art to be part of and I would insist on any young person having the desire to be an actor to give it a try. Because it's a terrific art. If you're there to make a living and make it your business, then it's a different game. For anybody, whether it was Jimmy Stewart and Gary Cooper or George Clooney or Dwayne Johnson or Brad Pitt or Lawrence Olivier, 
or Kenneth Branagh. It becomes a business, and you try to keep your art in there as much as you can, but it is it is a business. But before today's call, I've actually just ordered off Amazon your book. I didn't even realise you had a book out, so the Gutenberg Bible, your memoirs. Now, that was wrote quite a few years ago. Do you feel that you're a different person to the person that was writing that book at the time now, or not? Um, no, I think I'm the same person. The book was written about seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I've grown since then, but basically my, my values are the same. Yeah, my metrics are the same. Yeah. You know? Uh, um, what I value, what's important to me, that's the same. Um, and you have to, as you get older in this business, and you'll see it from most people as they get older, that they, um, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of like being a, uh, a trained circus animal that at the beginning you, you're surprised at getting a treat when you raise your hoof. But later on, you that's all you want is the tree. And you don't get as much pleasure out of raising your hoof anymore because you realize that the only way you're going to get a treat is if you raise your hoof. Yeah. So I think for most... And, and, and this business has been a little better than terrific for me. So I've only been great, grateful all every day for what I have in this business. But, you know, you have to be smart. You have to be smart. Is there anything that's major that you, you still want to achieve that you feel that, you know, I've, I've, I've read, and I don't know if it's true, but there might be another Police Academy film. I, I heard you tease that, you know, in an interview, and there's talks of you coming back over to the UK to do another film, and you've been involved in horrors now and all this, but is there anything that's left that you really want to achieve? I, I would like to just keep working because I have a family. Yeah. And the most important thing is providing for my family and taking care of everybody that I love. Um, and and having some uh, enjoyment in the craft itself, I really enjoy that. But you know, I've I've presented on the Academy Awards, I presented on the Tony Awards, I have a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, I have a caricature at Sardis, and my family's gotten to see it. So I'm very happy. You know, my mother said to me a long time ago, "Just remember, whenever you want." You can take your chips and go home. Um, and I have always been like that Michael Bublé song, I won't want to go home. And now you're home, you feel that that's everything you need. Yeah, I want to be home. I, I like being home now. I... Uh, yeah, you know, years ago, I remember in Gladiator, Russell Crowe always fantasized about that going home and being a farmer again. You remember? Yeah, it's a masterpiece of a film. Yeah, and all he wanted, you know, a great Ridley Scott movie, but all he wanted was to go home and stop being a warrior and stop killing people. Because his values were great. He had great values. He just wanted to go home and... At this point, after doing this for 43 years, I want to go home. Yeah. I like being home. So is that kind of shutting the, the book on Mahoney returning and uh, another Newton Crosby appearance or Jack or Michael? Is that is, is that your kind of sign-off? Are you, are you done with visiting those days? Do you just want to be home now? 
Uh, no. Good. You know, as as Sean Connery said, I'll never do another James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never do another James Bond. And then he did a movie called Never Say Never. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember Cary Grant many years ago, he said uh, at 65 he retired. And he said, I just don't want to trip over cables anymore. And then at one point, somebody came to him for to do some work and they offered him enough money to uh, make him his eyes open up and he was in Palm Springs and he said, okay, sure, I'll do it. You know, James Cagney came out of retirement and did <clears throat> ragtime and I'm far from retired but, you know, a friend of mine who's in the golf, who's a golfer says, you know, you've played your Masters, you've played your U.S. Open, you know, you've played the Ryder Cup, you've won your Super Bowl with three men and You've had your masters with diner and, you know, you've had your U.S. Open with short circuit. So, you know, I sleep very well knowing that I, I hit the bells that I wanted to hit. And, you know, if you look at the Screen Actors Guild, and I'm sure the Guild over in the U.K., the amount of actors that have made a living is very, very small. Yeah. So I, I feel very fortunate. And you don't get stars now that last as long. You're not going to get someone who's in 10 or 12 films because they just want the next big thing and people's attention spans don't want the big, long, epic films anymore or to even have to go to the cinema. People just want it in front of them now and people just... It's its their concentration. They want to get their phone out and check Instagram or go on social media. Yep. So the, the people yep. just aren't the same anymore. So to have that run in the 80s that you had is... Is gold really? It's just reading out your Hollywood, you know, star of fame, and your parents getting to see everything. It's it's a dream come true, surely. It is a dream come true. I feel very, very fortunate. And I believe you're going to be in the UK at some comic conventions later in the year. Exactly. I have been invited to come to the Comic Con in Manchester, June first, and that's going to be great. You know, I I do believe that. There's a part of me that owes my fans some gifts, and I think that by able to be there in person would be a gift to people because they've enjoyed my work, and I will probably actually absolutely get more out of it than they will by uh, by connecting with people that love my work, and I love to meet people and and people that that we have something in common with, and that would be the movies that I've done. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to grab you a beer when we're in uh, Manchester later in the year. All right. You've got a deal. Perfect. I really appreciate your time today, Steve. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, I hope I haven't took up too much of your day. Not at all, Mark. So nice to hear your voice. Thank you again, and I hope you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for being so kind. I, I love your tuxedo and your picture on the red carpet. <laughs> you checked me out, did you? Oh, yeah. i got to do my research, that's, of course. That's at the BAFTAs. That's at BAFTA. That's fantastic. Good day. So there it is. There's me and Steve Guttenberg. Yep, I actually said it out loud and it is real and it did happen and I couldn't be more happy with the way it turned out. It's an interview that I didn't expect him to be so honest, he let his guard down and he gave us a real true insight to what it's like being part of Hollywood and having that legacy behind him and what it's like to still carry on working today. And I really couldn't be more happy with the way the interview turned out. And I'm thrilled and hope you guys enjoy it out there too. 
I want to say a huge, huge thanks for Steve taking the time to come on the episode. I can't wait to meet you in a couple of months' time and have a beer, which is, hey, it's recorded now, you've got to stick to it. It's gonna That's surely legal binding, but I can't wait. And the, the interview is everything I could wish for and more, and it's something I'll share with my family, and especially my dad, who's my absolute idol and I can't wait for him to listen and when we grew up watching those films together to know that I've actually sat down now and talked to him it, it's 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 really hard to find the words to sum up just how much it means to me I hope you guys out there enjoyed the episode if you did come on to Twitter come on to Facebook come on to Instagram drop me an email just go on markandme.com all the links are on there and I love reading every single comment you take the time to leave and I love reading all the comments and everything that you post. And I always make sure I reply. So don't worry, I'll respond to every single one. If you want to support the podcast, I have got a Patreon page. There's a link on the actual website, Mark and Me. And on there you can sign up for as little as 70p a month. That's all it costs. And all the money that I raise on there goes straight back into the podcast. It means I can host the podcast. I can go out and travel, go to conventions, set up more and more interviews and give you more and more episodes. As you know right now the podcast is weekly, that's not going to last forever because we've skipped to the end every other week and Mark and me now being weekly that's six podcasts a month. I do have a full time job and a house and a life and everything else so it's hard to juggle but I'll keep releasing them as much as I can. I want to thank you all for listening today, I hope you've enjoyed the episode and again I'll be back in a week's time with a brand new episode for you all so until then take care and I'll speak to you soon. Couldn't get away too soon No, no